You are listening to Woco Radio, Season 2, Episode 7, The Thyroid, Part 1. Hey y'all, this is Brooks Vaughn, and today we are going to break down the thyroid gland. If you are a woman, you know the importance of hormones. And if you have a thyroid disorder or you know somebody who does, you sure as heck know the importance of your thyroid gland. I'm going to be honest, I was going to do just one in-depth episode on the thyroid and reproduction, but as I got into this, I realized that there is just way too much to cover in one episode, and aside from trying to conceive in pregnancy, there are so many women who are suffering and struggling with a thyroid disorder. So if you're like me, you digest this sort of complicated information in bite-sized pieces. So today, we are just going to start with the basics pertaining to the thyroid to sort of lay a foundation for your understanding of what's to come. This honestly is really for anybody, not just those of you who are trying to conceive or are pregnant. And I hope to give you a clearer understanding today of what the thyroid gland is, how it functions, and specifically today, we're going to be talking about hypothyroidism. The next episode in this series, we're going to kind of dive into, in a bite-sized little nugget episode, some integrative lifestyle, natural ways to help support your thyroid. And then the final episode, we're going to dive into the thyroid and reproduction and pregnancy because it's super important. And the recommendations and monitoring actually really does change when you're trying to conceive and when you're pregnant. All right, y'all. So I want you to stay tuned over the coming weeks, but I promise this first episode is probably the most important to give you a good foundation. All right, let's get started. The thyroid gland. So the thyroid gland is a butterfly-shaped gland that sits low in the front of your neck below your Adam's apple, kind of in your throat. The thyroid is part of your endocrine system, which is made up of glands that produce, store, and release hormones into the bloodstream so that the hormones can reach the body's cells. The thyroid gland secretes hormones that act throughout the body, influencing metabolism, growth, development, body temp, and so much more. This is really interesting, and this is why I really hope that you stay tuned for episode three in this series, but during infancy and childhood, adequate thyroid hormone is crucial for brain development. This is why I think it's really important to have an understanding of the thyroid and also how it can impact reproduction. So for me, the easiest way to understand how the thyroid works is to start from the beginning and break it down. So it starts with your brain. The hypothalamus in your brain releases a hormone called thyroid-releasing hormone to the pituitary gland. And what it does is it stimulates your pituitary gland, which, side note, I love the pituitary gland. You will learn later that this is a key player when it comes to women's health. But this is a small pea-sized gland in the brain that plays a major role in regulating vital body functions and general well-being. 
It is often referred to as the body's master gland because the pituitary gland controls the activity of most other hormone-secreting glands. This gland secretes a hormone called TSH or thyroid-stimulating hormone. So TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone, comes from the pituitary gland. And I love the name of this hormone, TSH, because it says exactly what it does. Thyroid-stimulating hormone stimulates the thyroid gland to actually work or make thyroid hormones. So the thyroid gland, once it's stimulated with TSH, makes thyroid hormones T3 or triiodothyronone and T4 or thyroxine. Now, T3 and T4 also impact our brain, which needs thyroid hormone to function. If you have a thyroid disorder, you know good and well how you can become groggy, have brain fog, memory issues, all that good stuff. So if the brain senses that we have enough T3 and T4 from the thyroid, the pituitary gland just stimulates the thyroid with a normal amount of TSH, and it says, hey, keep doing like you're doing. You're doing fine. But... If the brain senses that we don't have enough T3 and T4, it's going to send out more or an abnormally high amount of thyroid stimulating hormone, right? To stimulate that thyroid to produce more thyroid hormone. This can be really confusing, but if you have an underactive thyroid, meaning that the thyroid gland in your neck isn't producing enough T3 and T4, then your, your pituitary gland is going to produce more TSH. So a lot of times people say, well, if my TSH is high, why is my thyroid low or why do I have hypothyroidism? Well, it's because the TSH is not coming from the thyroid. It's coming from the brain to actually try to stimulate that thyroid gland to produce thyroid hormone. So Again, let's just kind of review that. If you have an underactive thyroid or hypothyroidism, which is what we're really going to be talking about today because it's the most common, you will have an elevated TSH and a low T4 and oftentimes a low T3 when it gets to a severe point. So this can be measured by checking a TSH and it's going to be high. Okay, so hypothyroidism is the most Frequent disorder of thyroid function. In the U.S., there are several different studies and there's different data, but in the U.S., it's estimated that 4.3% of the population over 18 years old have hypothyroidism, with an increased prevalence in women, of course, and older age. Subclinical hypothyroidism, which we'll talk about in a minute, occurs in 3% of men and 8% of women, and up to 5% during pregnancy and up to 10% during postmenopausal years. That's up to 5% of those women are pregnant, up to 10% are postmenopausal. The number one cause of hypothyroidism in the United States and developed countries is autoimmune. So let me describe autoimmune. Autoimmune means that something is attacking the thyroid gland and not allowing it to function properly. These 
things that are attacking the thyroid gland are called antibodies. So autoimmune just means that your body is producing antibodies to attack its own gland and or glands and organs. The autoimmune cause of hypothyroidism is called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Now, if you've ever heard someone say, I have Hashimoto's, it means that they have an autoimmune hypothyroidism. This also means that they have positive antibodies against their thyroid gland. So the most common antibodies seen with autoimmune thyroiditis or hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, is called TPO or thyroid peroxidase antibody. The other one that's associated with Hashimoto's is called thyroglobulin antibodies. We'll talk about these a little bit more later. So this is the number one cause of hypothyroidism in the U.S. and developed countries. However, worldwide, the most common cause of hypothyroidism is iodine deficiency. That's really not a problem for us here in the U.S. because iodine is so supplemented in foods and salt and vitamins. You know, unless someone is severely malnourished in the U.S. and they have a, you know, severe eating disorder or something, usually iodine deficiency is not the cause of our hypothyroidism here. Um, But worldwide, it is. So the reason why is because the thyroid gland actually depends on iodine in order to make that T3 and T4. So if you don't get enough iodine, you aren't getting enough thyroid hormones, T3 or T4. So the symptoms of hypothyroidism are honestly the same regardless of the cause. If we have Hashimoto's or iodine deficiency or a secondary cause, which means we have a, a um, something going on with the pituitary gland versus the thyroid gland. The symptoms are usually the same, and they can vary from person to person, but some of these symptoms include dry skin, poor memory, slow thinking, weak muscles, fatigue, muscle cramps, cold intolerance, a deep or hoarse voice, puffy eyes, constipation, water retention or swelling, delayed refluxes, weight gain, slow metabolism, a slowed heart rate, and hair loss. Another common symptom is menstrual irregularity, hence women's health. Well, it's all women's health, but anyway. So that just basically means your period changes. And the more abnormal your thyroid function is, the more irregular your period may become. And this is because, this is what's cool about the pituitary gland. This is why I said I love it, but this is why it's also, you know, super important in reproduction is that TSH, which comes from the the pituitary gland, um, the the pituitary gland is also producing FSH or follicle stimulating hormone and LH, which is luteinizing hormone that stimulate our ovaries, which in turn regulate your period. So the best way to initially test thyroid function is to measure the TSH level in a blood sample. This is just a simple blood test. And changes in that thyroid stimulating hormone can actually serve as an early warning sign or or early warning system, often even occurring before the actual level of thyroid hormones in the body become um, too high or too low too low in the case of hypothyroidism. So a high, again, a high TSH level indicates that the thyroid gland is not making enough thyroid hormone. 
The opposite situation in which the TSH is low usually indicates that the thyroid is producing too much thyroid hormone, and that's called hyperthyroidism or overactive thyroid. We're, we're not going to cover that today. Um, not quite as common, but still happens, um, and we may cover that in a later episode. So occasionally, though, a low TSH may result, like I said earlier, from an abnormality in the pituitary gland, which prevents that um, the pituitary from making enough TSH to stimulate the thyroid, and that's called secondary hypothyroidism. But in most healthy individuals, a normal TSH value means that the thyroid is functioning properly. Okay, let's keep going. T4 is the main form of thyroid hormone circulating in the blood. So a total T4 measures the bound and free hormone and can change when binding proteins differ. A free T4 measures what is not bound and able to enter and affect our body tissues. So tests measuring free T4, either a free T4 or free T4 index, more accurately reflect how the thyroid gland is functioning when checked with a TSH. So that's why quite often providers will check a TSH, um, sometimes just a TSH. If it's high or low, then they'll check a free T4 or a free T4 index. The finding of an elevated TSH and a low free T4 or low free T4 index indicates primary hypothyroidism due to disease of the thyroid gland. A low TSH and low free um, T4 indicates a problem involving the pituitary gland. Does that make sense? So if it's a finding of a high TSH and a low free T4 or free T4 index means that the pituitary gland is functioning overproducing TSH, but that thyroid gland's not producing enough thyroid hormone. But if the TSH is low and our free T4 is low, that means that something's going on in the brain with the pituitary gland. It's not stimulating the thyroid to actually produce thyroid hormone, and that's called secondary hypothyroidism, much less common. T3 testing is rarely helpful in hypothyroid patients because it's the latest test to become abnormal. And patients can actually be pretty severely hypothyroid with a high TSH and a low free T4 or free T4 index, but have a normal T3. So let's review for a second. Elevated TSH, low free T4, hypothyroidism. Elevated TSH, free T4 within a normal range, or low, actually, excuse me, yes, an elevated TSH, but a free T4 within a normal range can actually indicate something called subclinical hypothyroidism, okay? So let's talk about that for a second. In most labs, the reference range for a non-pregnant person, if you are not pregnant, you're walking around, the normal reference range is typically around 0.4 or 0.5 to Four or 4.5 milli-IU per liter. Now, we're going to dive much deeper into why this reference range is a lot tighter, typically 0.5 to 2.5 for women who are trying to conceive and pregnant in um, the third series of this little thyroid podcast episode series. But um, for a general 
the general population, the normal reference range is typically around 0.4 or 0.5 to 4 or 4.5 milli IUs per liter. So let's talk about evaluating hypothyroidism. Now, hypothyroid evaluation should always include a repeat thyroid function test to determine whether the abnormal TSH is transient or permanent. So, and, and this is, sounds crazy. A lot of people are, you know, really alarmed if their TSH comes back high on a screening or, or whatnot, and then we repeat it and it's normal. But you'd be surprised by how often this actually can be transient maybe due to a supplement like biotin or estrogen levels. This is really interesting. But estrogens, like in birth control pills or in pregnancy, can actually cause high levels of total T4 and T3. And this is because estrogens increase the level of binding proteins. In these situations, it's much better to ask for both a TSH and a free T4 for a thyroid evaluation, which typically will be in the normal range. Biotin, which is a commonly taken over-the-counter supplement, especially by women for that hair, can cause the measurement of several thyroid function tests to appear abnormal when they are actually normal in the blood. So biotin should not be taken for two days before blood is drawn for thyroid function testing to avoid this. Anyhow, aside from that, providers who are assessing you, or if you're a provider listening, we should always ask about previous neck surgery, radiation, history of pituitary or hypothalamic disease, medications, etc. Okay, so say we have tested and then we've repeated a test. We have decided that hypothyroidism is present. It is usually easily treated. So treatment should be indicated if A, there is overt hypothyroidism, meaning high TSH, low T4, or free T4. Um, Actually, I would recommend a free T4 or free T4 index. Okay, so that's overt hypothyroidism. Or if a goiter is present, or if Hashimoto's thyroiditis is present. Now, some professional bodies actually recommend treatment of um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, even if euthyroid levels are present. Um, that is based on a couple of studies that have been done that actually show that treatment, especially prophylactically, can prevent worsening of thyroid disease. That's something that you would need to take up with your provider. So there is no real consensus, though, when it comes to treatment regarding the um, treatment of subclinical hypothyroidism in non-pregnant patients. Again, I want you to stay tuned for part three of this series to learn more about what this means in women who are trying to conceive and pregnant women. But subclinical hypothyroidism means that you have a high TSH but a normal free T4 or free T4 index. The American Association of um, Clinical Endocrinologists and the American Thyroid Association don't endorse treating subclinical hypothyroidism unless your TSH is greater than 10 milli-IUs per liter or the specific instances that we're going to talk about in this third episode of this series with pregnancy. And we'll go over, we'll go over that next time. 
Now, here's the thing, and this is what's so interesting. There are so many opinions. There's not a general consensus typically. So it really is up to the provider and you to kind of talk through treatment options and if treatment is indicated or even necessary. So the European Thyroid Association actually does recommend treatment of subclinical hypothyroidism if A, the patient is less than 70 and their TSH is greater than 10, or if their TSH is between 4.5. This is what's different than um, ACE and American Thyroid Association. So if a person's TSH is between 4.5 and 10, but they are symptomatic, even if their T4 is normal, or if they are older than 70, and their TSH is greater than 10, they recommend treatment. If they are older than 70 and they have symptoms or cardiovascular risk factors and their TSH is between 4.5 and 10, they recommend treatment. So if hypothyroidism is detected, it's usually easily treated with a synthetic version of T4. And this is called levothyroxine or L-thyroxine, also called Synthroid and Brandos. So with these medications, you start it based on your weight, and then we titrate it, meaning we increase it up or down to get to a normal TSH level. Now, it isn't clear whether various preparations are interchangeable. So most providers do recommend sticking with the same brand. So if you are prescribed levothyroxine, titrated to a normal TSH, symptoms are, you know, you're you're not having symptoms, you want to stay on levothyroxine. If you go to the pharmacy and they give you Synthroid, it's not necessarily recommended because it may not be exactly the same. Um, in your system, and you're already used to that, you know, 75 micrograms of levothyroxine or whatever your dose is. So another thing that's interesting is for best absorption, it is it is typically recommended that this medicine be taken in the morning on an empty stomach. And we don't recommend taking thyroid medication with milk, coffee, papaya, iron, calcium, antacids, because it can interfere with the absorption of the medication. Some providers say don't take it within four hours. Some say just don't take it within one hour of anything else. Okay, that's a lot. That's 20 minutes. That's enough for today. In this next episode series, a question I've been getting asked a lot is, integrative approaches, natural ways, lifestyle um, recommendations to help support your thyroid balance. So that's what we're going to do next episode. It's going to be, I think, really interesting. It's not going to be next week. If you've, like I said earlier, if you've realized we typically pick um, a health-based topic one week, and then we alternate it with a faith-building, encouraging, life-giving topic the next, and then we follow it with a specific women's health-based um, topic. I mean, it's all women's health, right? Our heart, our body, our mind, our soul, it's all interconnected. Our relationships, they're all they're all related to our health. But next week, we are going to dive deeper into some, um, you know, recommendations regarding natural lifestyle modifications to support 
your thyroid balance. And then the third episode in our little thyroid series is going to be a really interesting one. And it's going to talk about fertility and pregnancy when it comes to thyroid function. All right, y'all. I hope that was helpful. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more next week. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode that we've got in store for you too. It's not about the thyroid, but it's a really good one. So anywho, follow us on Instagram at the Women's Health Company. Um, make sure you rate and subscribe and share this episode with all your friends. It's, I think, I hope it's a good one for patients and providers alike. Um, if you have any questions, just shoot us a DM, shoot us an email. If you have suggestions, do the same. Thank you so much for listening. Be well. Talk soon. <laughs>